Okay, so today we are starting a new bracha, which is we, oh, we've yeah. been talking for, really seems like a very long time, but that's great, <laughs> about Atachonein Adam Das, and now we're moving into Hashivenu Avinu L'Sarasacha, Return us, our Father, to your Torah, V'Karvenu Malkenu L'Avodasacha, and draw us near our King to your Avoda, to your ser- service of you, and return us with incomplete teshuva before you. Baruch Hashem, Harotza who desires, who wants tshuva. Yeah, who wants tshuva. Okay, so all these different layers here. Um, we talked already with regard to Das a little bit about how, about the order, meaning... You have to have the das, and then you could have the tshuva, and then you could be, sort of, have your fresh start into the other things. Um, I want to start with the Abu Darham. He says, Hashivenu avinu l'sarasecha. Where does this terminology come from? Because we know that Chazal, when they put together the, when they formalized the language of the davening, it was always based wherever possible on existing text. Al mm-hmm. shame. so this... Uh, is based on a pasuk in Nehemiah, va'avosenu lo asu sarasecha, which is a very interesting choice. Our forefathers did not do your Torah. It's very, very interesting. Like it's the opposite. That's scary. And so the and so Chazal's reaction to that is hashivenu avinu lo sarasecha, return us to your Torah. Amru Rabose, which is also like meaning, if we're talking about tshuva, it's very interesting that the language that's used to open the bracha is a correction of, of a language. It's a, a correction of a problem, not a quote about tshuva, but actually a quote regarding a problem rephrased as fixing it. Amru Rabu Seinuzal, our Chachamim have said, Yomar Avinu, when you say this tefillah, you should say Avinu, our father, Hashivenu Avinu Lasarasecha. It's, it's got that intimate touch to it that you don't necessarily have, I mean, the intimacy you have in Shemona Esrei, but not that word Avinu. Mm-hmm. Um, so refer to the, to the relationship Avinu, our father, We're saying, please let us be cherished before you like a son. The mm-hmm. Ode, and furthermore, Hashivenu Avinu another uh, source for the phrasing of, oh, here's Mrs. Khan, of return us, our father to your Torah. Okay, and furthermore, we say, Hashivenu avinu l'sarasecha, Hashem, please return us to your Torah, our father. Al shem damrinan, as it is said in the Sifri, which is the, the Medrash on Shmos, uve'ele Shmos Rabbah, and in Shmos Rabbah, Torah tziva lanu Moshe, morasha kehilas Yaakov. Torah was commanded to us by Moshe and is the inheritance of the community of Jacob. Mashal. It's a mashal. Okay, so this is, when you first hear that, you're like, we know that pasuk, but what does that have to do with Hashivenu avinu l'sarasecha? So what he's going to do is he's quoting now the Medrash on Torah Tzivalanu Moshe and showing how the lesson that the Medrash learns from that pasuk informs the structure of this bracha. Is Nehemiah is, is who you're talking about? Who wrote this? Not now. Not no. now. No, no, no. Nehemiah was just the source of that one quote. Oh, okay. Our forefathers did not keep your Torah. Oh, okay. Okay, what we're reading now is Abu Darham, commentary on oh. Davening. Oh, okay. Okay, he was in the time of the Rishonim. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a Rishon. Okay. Uh-huh. So, the, the Medrash says, Mashal Leven Melech. So what the Medrash is apparently commenta- commentating on is, why is the Torah called a morasha, an inheritance? Torah tziva lanu Moshe, morasha kehilas Yaakov. So the Torah is being called an inheritance. Why is that? Masha leven melech. It is a, it may be compared to the son of a king. Shenishba lemedinas hayam kshukaton who was captured, who was held captive in a, I guess it means in a country far across the sea, 
I mean, it means a sea-based country, but I think the, the point here is very far away. He was held overseas from the time he was very small. In Mevakesh Lachazar, Afilu La'achar Kamar Shonim, Eno Bosh Lachazar. If he seeks to return back to his home country, even after many, many years, he won't be ashamed to come back. He won't feel like, oh, who am I to try and come back to the country and claim my princehood or maybe claim to be the, prin- the king even if his father's gone? Because he says, it's my own inheritance I'm going back to. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll talk about this idea a little more. This is also true for a wise person. If he separates himself from the words of Torah, and he allows himself to go and get busy with... means like empty things. So it doesn't have to be anything bad, but it's empty. It's stupid. Maybe he hung out with friends and they were just talking about sports. Right? Like the good old days when they were in high school or something. So now he looks back and he says, what have I done for the last two hours? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if he seeks to return, even if it's years later, he doesn't have to be ashamed to come back. Because he says, I'm coming back to my own inheritance. I'm the prince of the realm. This is, a, this is good for everybody if I come back. Why would I not go back to where I belong? And therefore, the Pasuk says, Avinu, not the Pasuk, I'm sorry, the Baracha is phrased as Avinu, our father. Return us, our father, to your Torah. Because if it's his Torah, and he's the father, and I'm the son, I'm the child, right? Then... It's my Yerusha. It's Torah Tziva Lanu Moshe Morashaki Lajakov. Then it's mine. And there's no reason why I should feel uncomfortable or unworthy in coming back to it. So therefore it says, Avinu Lefisha Haben Chazer Liyurushaso Shayarash Meavid. Because it's like a child who is coming back to claim the inheritance that he inherited from his parent. The Karvenu Malkenu Lavodasecha. The Bracha goes on to say, Draw us near our king to the service of you. That is the service that is performed when we do mitzvos. When we do mitzvos, that is the service of God. A person is obligated to serve him just the way a servant is obligated to serve his master. Whatever he's asked of him, that's what he has to do. So over there, we refer to God as Malkenu, our king, because he's the one who commands our time and commands our actions. And we find what mitzvah is specifically called avoda. Shenamar, as it says, the pasuk in Devarim that says, because you did not serve Hashem your God, meaning you didn't keep the mitzvahs. We know that avoda, the mitzvah that's often called avoda is davening, right? What is the avoda of the heart, right? Avoda is avoda in the base of mikdash. That's the tzvi, that's the tzvila with the karbanos. Okay, so when we say karvenu malkinu lavrasecha, draw us near our king to your service. The drawing us near. First of all, that's the same word as korban. Okay, a korban is that which draws you near. So when we say draw us near to your service, we're saying, please draw us near to you with our tefillahs. We're still, in, I mean, we're, we're well into Shemona Esrei, but in terms of bakashos, we had to first say, first we need to have the intellect. We have to be aware of what's happening. And once we have the awareness, then the next step is please let the prayer have the effect of drawing me close because that's, that's why I'm here. As Chazal have said, to serve him with all your hearts. What is the avoda in the heart? That's tefillah. That's the Gemara and Tainus. And the word kriva is particularly appropriate to prayer. Fortunate is he who 
chooses and is drawn close to dwell in your courtyards. And then the bracha goes on to say, And return us with complete tshuva before you, in accordance with the pasuk in Eicha, Hashivenu Hashem Eilecha Venashuva. We know that one because they read it twice and we say it out loud. Mm-hmm. Plus their songs. Return us Hashem to you and we will return. Klomar, which means, Im lashuv, If we have made the effort to begin to come back, Sayinu, help us, assist us, Lios to make that tshuva become complete tshuva before you. And I just thought it was very, very interesting because if you think of Hashivenu, Hashem Elecha Venashuva, it actually seems to be saying Hashem should act first mm-hmm. and will return second. Yeah. And the way that the Abu Darham read it, he turned it around. Mm-hmm. He said, once we have started wishing to come close to you with Tshuva, please help make it that it should be complete, which is the opposite. Whose work is coming first? And it's interesting to say that that's, of course, the case. I think we will come back to this a little bit. Um, as the Chachamim have taught us, this is in accordance with what we have learned from our Chachamim. One who comes to purify himself, he is helped. Heaven helps him. When a person tries to, tries to do tshuva, then Hashem comes and helps him. As it says in the Pasuk in Yechezkel, Im echbot b'mos harasha, do I wish for the death of the wicked person? Rather, I wish that, he sh- that the Russia should return from his path and live. As the Pasuk says, That's the Pasuk. Okay. So, uh, the short answer, I think, to that last question about how did he turn it around and why and it can't be that he missed noticing that he turned it around, A, because he's real smart, and B, because the specific point he's making is the order of it, and the order of it is the opposite of the order of the verse he was quoting. So that's, like, you can't miss that. That's, that is the point of what he's saying, is that even just by saying, I think the short answer is just by saying the words, please return me to you with tshuva, I have taken the first step. That is the first step. It may be a very small step, but as we have mentioned before, right, Rabbi Leichter, the small step is the big journey, <laughs> right? He says that people say that every big journey begins, every great journey begins with a small step. And he says, that's nonsense. Every small journey also begins with the same first step. Whether I'm leaving my house to go to another country or whether I'm leaving my house to go to the mailbox, it's the same step. So it can't be that what defines the greatness of the step is the distance of the journey. It must be that taking the step is what's very important. Actually making a step. And that, that's something that, it's really a very evocative way of saying something that we see in many places. You know, when we've talked, and we had this recently with that Gorarie about um, Avraham, was he teaching people to do good or to have knowledge? And the importance of the action, the importance of when you have the uh, inspiration making sure that it gets turned into a concrete action. And yet we say the concrete action should be very, very small. So the, the scope and the power of the action is not really the size of what you've achieved in the action. It's the size and power of the kavana that leads to the action, that gives the action the power. On the other hand, until it's concretized in an action, even a small one, Thank you. Even a small one, it doesn't achieve its fullness. The kavana itself is not completed until it's turned into the action. So this kind of, that the small step is the big journey. It's not just an interesting phrase. It's, this is the reality. Because if you take a small step, and the small step is, especially with tshuva, the more a person from the heart is really begging Hashem to help him do tshuva. So what is tshuva if not a turnaround of your will? If your will is to return to Hashem, so then that small step of even expressing it is now expressive of the whole main thing that you're trying to do. Does it have to be turned into action? Yes. But, but the power of it is in the back, 
side of the, you know, what goes, what you'd call like the back office, you know, <laughs> of what happens over here. Okay, so now I wanna, I wanna go, I wanna go with this a little bit. What is this idea where we're saying, Hashem, return us to your Torah and draw us near to your Avoda and return us in complete tshuva to you. This whole thing, like this asking for tshuva as the beginning, you know, at, <laughs> I, I, I want to say the beginning of everything. I guess it's not the beginning of everything because we had das first, right? But it's kind of the first thing you would do with das mm-hmm. should be if you have the illumination of the knowledge, then the first thing that should happen is the realization, right? Now, <laughs> if, if your in, inner self and your world around you are now clearer to you, then what the first thing that you see is how far you are from where you could be. Okay. So one is, this is the Yalkochimoni. It's on a Pasuk in Tehillim. The Pasuk is in Tehillim Kafhei Ches. It says, Tovi Yashar Hashem. Hashem is good and Yashar is like straight. Reverse translates it as upright. It means just straight. Tovi um, Yasha Hashem, God is good and upright. Al Cain, therefore, Yorecha Toim Badorech, He teaches sinners on the road. Okay, so the Yalkut says on this, the Yalkut brings down Tovi Yasha Hashem, God is good and upright, just. Lama tov shehu yashar, Lama yashar shehu tov. In what way is he, is he good? He's fair, he's just. In what way is he just? He's good. Okay, I just, it's a kind of an interesting comment. Fortunately, I was very delighted to see that when I went to see what Rav Hirsch said about that Pasuk, he apparently is actually explaining this medrash. So <laughs> that was helpful. I can tell you how I know he was explaining the Madrash is because he begins by saying, the Lord is as upright as he is good and as good as he is upright. <laughs> so I understood that he's actually paraphrasing the Madrash over there, okay? Because that's not what the Pasuk said, that was what the Madrash said. So I was very relieved to see that we would have a little extra <laughs> insight into that odd statement. Shalu lachachma. Then the Madrash goes on. Shalu lachachma. Chote ma onsho. They asked wisdom. What is the punishment for a sinner? Mm. Yeah, it's very, very fast. They asked, they asked wisdom. wisdom. What is the punishment for a sinner? Amarlo, wisdom answered, and this is a verse, Chatoim Tirdovra. I should have looked up the sources of them. It didn't occur to me. Okay. Chatoim Tirdovra. The answer is sins or those who sin, um, bad will pursue them. Shalula Navua, they asked prophecy. Chote ma on show. So now, if you, I, I believe that what this means on a simple level is, and on really only a very simple level, is if you would delve into everything wisdom has to teach you what would you come to understand is the is the like the natural or inevitable result for one who sins and the answer is bad will pursue him mm-hmm. he he's creating bad and in the end that will catch up with him mm-hmm. okay and but then shalula nevua now nevua is not chachma According to a, there's a Gemara I saw cited by Rav Tzadok who, that quotes that Nevoah is a lower level than Chachma. So take that as you wish. I, w- I would have thought to say, so now we're asking, we're looking at a supernatural view, meaning where the Chachma is that which you could have learned, you know, say like we would have learned Chachma, you know, we would have learned all these different things. Shlomo HaMelech says we would have learned this from the ant, you know, to be diligent, then we would have learned cleanliness from a cat, right? All these different things that you could learn from examining the world around you. That's what I kind of assumed that this Mm -hmm. Medrash was saying. But 
but I should throw in there that Ratzadak holds that Chachma is even higher than Nevoah. So, okay. If you ask Nevoah, so if you would, would consult, if you would be able to access knowledge that could be had from a supernatural view of the world, a much more complete view than anyone could achieve through their striving through Chachma. Okay. What is the punishment? What is the consequence for one who sins? Amarlo, Nivua answered, The soul that sins will die. That, I mean, right? And this fits in with everything we've ever learned, say in Psukim, right? That, that Torah and Avoda are the source of life. And sin is the source of death. We know that sin only came into the world. Um, death only came into the world through the sin in Gan Eden. So sin, therefore, is the consequence. That is what comes of. Uh, sorry, death is what comes of sin. Mm-hmm. That's that what so, happens. The soul that is already no, no, that's in no, the one that's alive. alive. No, that's alive. Yeah, will yeah, yeah. Die. yeah. The soul will die. Okay. Well, it's the nefesh, so it's the 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 physical oh, okay, side okay. of the soul. Hmm. Okay. A person, who, a person who sins will die. Yeah, a person who sins will die. They bring it upon themselves. That is what happens when a person sins. Chachma says, bad things will catch up to him. Nevoah says, he'll die. Looking at the sort of more spiritual side of the equation, he's, he's killing himself. Shalu la Torah. They ask the Torah. Chote ma'onsho. What is the punishment of one who sins? Amrlo. So the Amrlo, the Torah says, Yavi Yasham something you couldn't have figured out through any amount of Torah, of Chachma or Nevoah. Yavi Asham bring a korban, Asham, and get Kapara. You can, you can clean up the mess. Okay, now Yiskaper, having Kapara. Having kapara does not address the sin. Okay? One way to understand kapara is, like when a person says, oh, it should be a kapara, right? When they have suffering of some sort. May it be a kapara. One way to understand that is that when a person has kapara, it erases the negative effect of the sin. It doesn't take away the sin itself, but the damage that is done to the body is sort of paid off. It pays off the debt through that, and that there's something novel over here that the Torah teaches us, which is that a korban could achieve that. Mm-hmm. It's not the ra that caught up with him, and it's not the death that caught up with him. Mm-hmm. But if he can bring the korban, that itself will achieve the kapara. Okay? Rav Hirsch often will use the word, he will translate the, understand the word kapara as meaning to cover over, that the kaper and cover are related, that, um, that the kapara, it's like you pulled a white sheet over it, so the room looks much better. But underneath, there is still a problem. Okay? When you put a white, if you put a new, fresh white tablecloth over the table without taking off the old one, so there's still like pieces of cholent and like stuff that's underneath. So number one is, if you leave it long enough, there might be a smell. There might be little bumps. The tablecloth might not look so smooth because there was stuff there. And it could be that things will soak through after a while. So you might have cleaned the room, like especially if someone's about to walk in your door and you weren't expecting them, you might do that, <laughs> okay? But I remember I had a friend who like had all these strategies for cleaning her house in four minutes, you know? Like, you know, everything goes into the bathtub and you pull the shower curtain closed, you know? Like <laughs> these kinds of like, they're strategies and yet they don't solve the problem. In fact, they make it worse over time, <laughs> okay? So kapar doesn't make it worse over time. We don't say kapar makes it worse. But you have not solved the underlying problem. It's just going to come up again. Okay? Yeah, it's just going to happen again with kapara. I mean, it might not. But kapara doesn't mean that you fix the problem. Kapara means you have erased the immediate damage that you caused. You've paid it off or washed it or laundered it. But the, the root of what caused you to sin in the first place has not been dealt with. Okay, so the Torah comes and says this incredible gift, which is bring a karban asham, and you could have kapara. Shalula hakadosh baruchu. I mean, this whole <laughs> this whole madrash is astonishing, right? Yeah. So they ask God, 
What's the punishment for the one who sins? Amrlo, Hashem says, Yasa tshuva v'yis kaperlo. Do tshuva and get kapara. It's not the same as bring the carbon. So you see a little bit here that hinted, right? Karvenu malkenu secha, v'hachazirenu b'shuva shlema lefanecha. It's two levels. It's kind of reflected there, and the Torah says bring the korban, that's karvenu malkenu secha. And then there's this other level, which is do the tshuva. Do tshuva and get, miska, and get kapara. Ha-hodichtiv, as the Pasuk says, this is this Pasuk in Tehillim, tov yashar Hashem, Hashem is good and upright. Al-Kain, therefore, yorech ha-toim badarech, he teaches, he educates those who sin in the right way. Shehumore lachatoim derech shiashutuva. Hashem teaches those who are on a path of sinning how to do tshuva, how to come back. And that's the medrash. I, like I said, I was really happy to see that Rav Hirsch is at least working from the medrash. So Rav Hirsch says like this. Excuse me. He says, the Lord is as upright as he is good and as good as he is upright, which is clearly his interpretation of that opening to that medrash, right? Where it said, how good is he? It's that he's yashar. How yashar is he? That he's tov. All right. But what does it mean to say a tov yashar Hashem? Like he's as tov as he is yashar. What does that, what does that have to do with anything? And what does that mean? And that's what Rav Hirsch is going to explain. It's Hashem's desire to deal kindly with men. But at the same time, he wants men to live so that they become worthy of his favor. I'm going to go on, but he's, he, he's going to expand out from this. Mm-hmm. It is his will to bring man close to his ethical goals, but he does this only for the sake of man himself, so that he, the Lord, can then bestow upon man the favor of his mercy. This is an idea, really, that the shalah often brings. That idea of golos is how we get to geula. It's not just the kapara, like, or the suffering you have to have because of the sin, and when that's finally over, now you can finally breathe and have geula. Is that we wouldn't be able, we wouldn't have the zechus to reach geula if not for the golos. Mm-hmm. So that's what he calls Yitzchak ben Avraham, gevura born of chesed. That's Yitzchak ben Avram, Gevura that is the child of chesed. Meaning the greatest chesed, the greatest rachamin, is din. <laughs> That's tov v'yashar Hashem. Tov is the giving of the, is the good, the desire to do good, the chesed. Yashar, uprightness, justice, straightness, fairness. Well, that, that's actually din. I mean, it's a very positive word for it. But if somebody's fair, that cuts both ways. Okay, and so what Rav Hirsch is saying, that what I think he's learning from this medrash is, God's goodness is expressed in his just, in the straightness, in the justice. His justice is expressed as goodness. They're not different. And what, what, that, what that unifying thing is, how, those are to, how are those one and the same? How can you say the chesed is the gvur, the gvur is the chesed is, Hashem, I'm going to go back and read that first sentence. It is his desire to deal kindly with men, but at the same time, he wants men to live so that they become worthy of his favor. Meaning, he wants to do good for us. It is a greater good if we deserve it. The the good that he gives us is greater when we deserve it than when he gives us good that we don't deserve. That's called humiliation. Good that you didn't deserve is humiliating. So what's kinder? To deserve it? To have earned it? To have worked toward it? Or to just have it sort of thrown on you with like an understanding between us that you don't really have this. I'm just doing this as a favor. Okay? That's not the chesed. Okay. So he says a better interpretation, and he bases it on the trope, of the end of the pasuk, al-kin yorech ha-toim badarech, Therefore, Alkain means therefore. 
So, Tov Yashar Hashem, Al Kain, because Hashem is Tov and Yashar, which is a greater good than just Tov Hashem, okay? Tov Yashar Hashem, Al Kain, therefore, Yorech Hatoim Badorech. He, so the simple explanation is he instructs Chatoim, those who sin, Badorech, in the path, meaning what the path of life is, what they should be. He teaches the path, you know, people say someone's off the derech. Okay, so this would be, he teaches the derech to those who sin. He says a better explanation of this would be, translation, he teaches and trains even chatoim badarech, those who are on a road of sin. In other words, people who have been traveling for a really long time down the wrong path of life. Even someone who has spent a lot of time going the wrong way, God teaches or trains them. Which means, then, that God will not forsake anyone who is still capable of being taught and trained. God will teach those, even who, have, who are chatoim baderech, they are like in a routine, they're on the road, this is where they're, where they're walking, as long as they can be taught, Hashem will teach. This, okay, we didn't talk about what that teaching is. This would include even him whom force of habit, that would be the derech, right, may have caused to give in to his passions, or even amazed, someone who may intentionally do what is morally evil, as long as he is not lahachis. So now he's explaining, and I, I don't know where this is from. It sounds a little bit like Rambam, I'm not sure. Okay, that what would be, He's, he's saying, what would be somebody who's not educable? Okay? As long as someone can be taught, Hashem will teach. So, there's, as, so who's the one who couldn't be taught? Someone who is behaving. If someone is giving in to his taivas, we don't say that he can't be taught. It could still be taught. A person could be weak and still be taught. A person could be intentionally doing wrong. He knows it's wrong and he's doing it anyway. And we wouldn't say that he can't be taught. He could still be taught. But someone whose behavior is lahachis. Lahachis means trying to make God angry. That, that would be What's not that a good place to be. Lahachis. To anger. To cause anger in another. As long as he does not flaunt his sin and is not a leitz and a chatsuf. Leitz means someone who is cynical or mocks, right? Br- tries to bring down the value of that which is valuable. And chatsuf is like brazen, shame, like chutzpah, right? Chatsuf, one who spitefully and impudently mocks or scorns what is good. It's a little bit scary because those are actually kind of easy <laughs> to fall into especially when one is sinning and they feel uncomfortable about it. It's not so unusual to then try and say, well, I'm really fine by making fun of what is good. Mm-hmm. So that's actually rather scary. God will not abandon anyone who, though he sins habitually, does so only because he's morally weak and is aware of the frailty of his. So if a person is weak and not doing well, but knows that they're weak and not doing well, Hashem will not abandon him. Anyone who has not lost every vestige of anava, humility and awareness of his weakness, will not be forsaken by the Lord. That's rather astonishing, right? Hashem says, let him do tshuva and live. I'll teach him. So you're saying this other person is forsaken? No. It's tricky. It sounds like Hashem will not be educating him. The person who, there's some kind of behavior that says, there's some kind of behavior, this lahachis, this one who acts in order to anger God, and who is spitefully mocking or scorning that which is good, that does sound like they're in a bad place. But they can come back too. Yeah, but it's very difficult for them to do it from that place. Yeah. That's the point. That they will not, whatever, what Hashem's education of them will not be effective. That doesn't mean that they cannot turn themselves around. 
but now they don't have God just saying, here, let me help guide you to where you need. Yore means to teach or educate, but it also means to guide, right? So if Hashem is going to nudge you in the right directions, for someone who's in that place of mind of lahaches, leitz, chatzuf, the education is not effective. That's what, that's what Rav Hirsch said. As long as someone is educable, God will educate. Okay, now it turns out that in the next Pasuk, in Tehillim, he focuses more on what does that mean, the education. But you need this because we need to understand what does that mean, Tovi Yasha Hashem. Hashem is good and just, therefore, or thereby, you could read it kind of either way, he instructs those who sin on the road. The next Pasuk is Yadrech, that means to guide or to, to put someone on the road, right? A madrich is a guide, like a tour guide. Okay, so yadrech means to put them on the road. Anovim, those who have anava. A person who has the humility to recognize that he is wrong. Even if he has not been successful in changing that wrongness. But he knows inside that he shouldn't be acting this way. Okay, yadrech anovim bamishpat. God guides the humble through mishpat, through justice, or judgment. Vilamid anovim, and he educates those who have anava, darko, in his way. In other words, says Rav Hirsch, God leads the humble who can still be led and can still profit by discipline, mishpat through justice. In other words, through judgment. He guides them in the right paths by means of inflicting on them suffering to des- test and discipline them. This is the same concept as Es Asher Yehav Hashem Yochiach. The one whom God loves, he chastises. Mm-hmm. Right? If a person can be taught through the events of his life, if God can make things happen that will push him in the right direction, then he will. That's love. That's Tov V'yashar. Understand how this is all, how he's bringing out this explanation of what you learn from the fact that he's described Hashem as Tov and Yashar, and it's Tov Shehu Yashar and Yashar Shehu Tov. He leads them into that path which is in accordance with his will by means of the experiences which he has them undergo in life. Okay, which means that in saying, Hashivenu Avinu Lesorasecha, Vekarvenu Malkenu Lavodosecha, Vahachazirenu Besheshuva Shalema Lefanecha. The ikar is getting us back on track. <laughs> Can we get our lives onto the path? That's the goal. That's also the ultimate chesed. It, it's for each of us our personal goal because it means achieving our life goal, getting ourselves where we need to be. Are we on the road to becoming who we can become? Being on that road is also the greatest chesed, that we were born into that and have the opportunity to it and are guided into it. That's the greatest chesed. And there's more than one way to get on that road. All the things that we think of, right? Ra'ah, bad things that pursue the person. Death that will catch the person. Karbanos that a person might have to bring. All those things, some of which may not seem very nice, are all part of that way to bring us back on the path. Mm-hmm. Okay, by the way, this is, this. I didn't bring it over here, I don't think. But the use of the word in the Medrash over there of onish, punishment, is fascinating. Because tshuva is also called a punishment over there. A carbon's also called a punishment over there. Which means we may not have understood the word onish very well. <laughs> Does a person who um, reaches a very high level, a, a, a tzaddik or a, whatever, more than a tzaddik, um, recognize that they need to, they, they still have to have, I mean, do they ever recognize that they're, that they've arrived, that they are okay. Or Only if they're dead. Or do they always have to have the, what? <laughs> Only if they're dead. <laughs> okay, that's I'm not when kidding. the truth. Yeah. No, not mm-hmm. that that's when the truth. You yeah. haven't arrived till you're done, so you're there. I see, okay. As long as you're in this world, you're imperfect. Okay, and so? So the greater a person yeah. is, the more they are yeah. able to see realistically that they have work okay. to do. I see, okay. So it's the opposite. Yeah, yeah. It's the opposite. And the greater a person is, the more they realize they have work to do. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. 
which is kind of obvious, but I just thought yes and like no. Sort of like it's yes and no. I mean, the message is over here, but in a coarser way, which is that a person who's getting God's chastisement, there is a certain comfort in knowing, well, at least he's there. <laughs> this may not be the most comfortable position to be in, but at least I'm not here alone. Right? And God cares enough about me to bring me back to where I could be. And I wasn't managing that on my own. I wasn't offering every day on my own. Now that somebody, you know, now that there's something really worrying me, Somehow I'm davening three times a day, right? So I could also be grateful to realize that Hashem is helping me get where I need to be. Um, this, this insight, which is not really our topic right now, about punishment, though, okay? Um, we have it in a source sheet from a different class. There's a very interesting Rashi with regard to Yosef. It says that Yosef brought the slander, or he spoke about his brother's actions to his father. So Rashi says, This Rashi on Bracious Lamed Zion Beis. Every bad thing that he saw in his brothers, which may not have actually been in his brothers, but he saw it that way, the children of Leah, he would tell to his father. He told his father that they were eating um, how do you translate Avram and Achai? Like the limb of, a, of an unslaughtered animal, like tearing off the yeah. flesh before it, the animal has died. And disparaging the children of Bilhan Zilpah, who were shvachos, who were legally maids, and calling them servants. And chashudim al harayos, and that he suspected them of immorality. And he was punished with regard to all three of these. Yosef. It says they slaughtered a goat at the time of selling him. Well, it says they slaughtered them. They didn't eat it alive. And with regard to the story he related that he said that they called their brothers slaves, Yosef was sold as a slave. And with regard to suspecting them of immoral relationships, boy, did he have to deal with an immoral relationship. Okay, he has the wife of his master coming after him. That she raised her eyes to him. Now, this Rashi is actually a little bit strange because if you work your way through it, you realize that the last two do sound like amida connected mida punishment in the sense that we think the word onesh means punishment. Okay, he said something about that they call people slaves, and he actually became a slave. Mm-hmm. And he said they are not dealing properly with immorality, and boy, did he get challenged with immorality. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he accused them of eating an unslaughtered animal, and it says they slaughtered an animal. What kind of punishment is the fact that they slaughtered an animal? The answer is that he was right there. Mm-hmm. So he saw that he was wrong. In other words, a punishment is a degree of discomfort in this world that teaches a person or demonstrates or proves to him that he has been mistaken and he's wrong. That's what a punishment is. If, if, if we understood all along the word onesh, okay, what I just told you was a paraphrasing from the Sichos Moser of Chaim Shmuel Levitz. Tachlis ha-onesh ba-olam hazeh. The purpose of onesh in this world, hilalamid es adam lekach, is to teach a person a lesson. Ulaho to demonstrate or prove to him. Kitoehu, that he is erring. Vitaus biado, and he is mistaken. What he's done is wrong. So that's why it helps us understand that medrash. What's the, what's the onesh? Bad will come after him. He'll die. Bring a korban. Bring a korban. That's an onesh. Do tshuva. That's an onesh. All of those have a degree of discomfort. If you've ever done real tshuva, it's not like fun. It's amazing. It's cleansing. It's transformative. It's not fun. Right? Nobody would like buy tickets. We should. (laughs) They'd be more valuable than Disneyland tickets. 
Okay? Mm-hmm. But the degree of discomfort where the purpose of the discomfort is t- for the person to have... It has occurred to me, by the way, that in the same way that the action, however big or small, the power of the action is in what it represents in terms of the thought behind it. Mm-hmm. That the same thing is true for the punishment, since the main thing, the ikar of the onish, is how it helps the person to see and understand what he has done so far, his thinking, his actions so far. So it's also not the, the scale of the physical suffering that's the main thing about a punishment. For Yosef, you know, like maybe one thing comes out that he has to become a slave. That's, that's pretty serious punishment. Okay? But the purpose also was able to be served with the Avram and Achai. It was enough that he saw them slaughter the goat properly. That was enough to cure that problem. Seeing it, something tangible, and saying, oh, I was wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was enough to make the point that needs to be made, and so that is onish. The base Halevi also says, Kol ha'onshim haksuvim batorah, any punishment that is mentioned in the Torah, they do not relate to our colloquial use of the terms punishment or revenge. God forbid, it's always a kind of repair. Punishment in Torah means a repair. Rav Yitzchak Blazer says something similar. If things don't go right after you've done something wrong, then that's a punishment. If things don't go right, it could be. That's, that's a different question. <laughs> when things don't go well, what can we learn from it? That's a different question. Sometimes it could be that it's a punishment. Which means it's, the point is that we should figure out what's wrong and fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's a kapara. It's a cleansing, meaning we've gotten onto a better path, but we still have the dirt to clean up. Sometimes it's a test. So, I mean, it's not always possible for us to know in the times what the purpose is of things that happen to us. Okay. So just onish equal tikkun? Yeah, according to Beis HaLevi, according to Beis HaLevi, every punishment written in the Torah is begeder tikkun, is within the category of repair. That is what it is for. Okay, all of this fits together exactly, right? Tovi Yashar Hashem, Al Kain Badarech. It's exactly, exactly this point. It all fits. This is Hashem's Tov and Yashar, and it's Tov that it's Yashar, and it's Yashar that it's Tov. Okay. It does seem, though, that Tshuva is the ideal. You see, in that Madras, it sort of culminates, right? Where Hashem says, let him do Tshuva. And have the kapara. This is like the ultimate. Hashem says it himself, right? Mm-hmm. Why? I think possibly because in shuva, a person brings their whole self willingly to where he needs to be. He doesn't just regret a particular thing, right? It's not just like, oh, let me cover it up. I'm actually fixing the root of the problem because shuva involves changing my will. Mm-hmm. So in changing my will, I'm changing the root. So I'm actually fixing the underlying issue in a bigger sense. And so I think that, that that reality of changing one's will is what brings tshuva to be the ultimate place over there. Mm-hmm. We have something um, like this. In, it's in Unasana Tokef on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Ki keshimcha kentihilosecha. In accordance with your name, meaning the descriptions you've shared of how you interact with us, so is your praise. Kasha lichos v'noach lertzos, slow to anger, easy to appease. Kilotachpots b'mos hames. This is based on this verse in Yechezkel that Abu Darham quoted. You do not desire the death of the dead person. Kiim b'shuvo midarko v'chaya, but rather his return from his path and that he live. That's God's preference. You understand why, the, why this bracha ends, harotze b'shuva. God wants tshuva. V'ad yomoso, and until the day of his death, techakelo, you will wait for him. Im yashuv miyad tekablo. If he returns, then immediately you receive him. The Rambam says, kama me'ula maila sa How lofty is the level, how elevated is the level of tshuva. Amesh, yesterday, Hayaze, this man, 
was moved on the Hashem Elokei Yisrael, distant from Hashem, the God of Israel, as the verse says, Your sins have distanced you or divided you from Hashem, your God. This person, yesterday, he cried out and he would be ignored. God would not answer him. As the verse said, Even if you will um, daven a lot, I'm not going to answer you. The Osa mitzvos, he does mitzvos with torfin osam bifanav, and they get torn up in his face. As God said, Who asked this of you? You think I want your presence? You think I want your karbanos? He slams the door. That was yesterday. Rahman says, Today. And he literally means in one day, overnight. <laughs> He is clinging to the Shechina. He's attached. That, that's a really dramatic distance to cover. As it says, You who cling to Hashem your God are alive. He cries out, he's answered immediately. As the verse says, you've, you've barely yet even spoken and I've answered you. He does mitzvos. And God receives his mitzvos with nachas and simcha. As it says, God desires your deeds. Not only that, God, God yearns for his deeds. It's pleasing to him, like it always had been before. This like incredible, incredible change that happens with tshuva. And this is Hashem wants tshuva. God's goal is not to wipe people out, and God's goal is not, because he didn't create us for that. We're created for a purpose, and to the extent that he can put us on the path to that purpose while leaving us in our free will, he does. Mm -hmm. So the first step is the anava, the humility, the awareness, the ability to notice that I'm wrong and not have to defend, you know, my inner pride or save face in front of other people. By saying, oh no, it's really fine. Oh no, that mitzvah is not that important. Oh, right? Because then I make myself not educable. Beginning is just having that humility and ability to say, I'm, I'm wrong. And the purpose of a punishment is to help a person realize I was wrong. But from there, now you can get on the path and you can go somewhere better with it. Okay, so I think we will stop there for today. Yeah, it's, it's the biggest gift of all. It's the biggest, it's Tovi Asher Hashem. It's a very... And um Mr. Shem will continue this so Can I just ask you what, yes. when you mentioned the Sanatokef, what was your main point of, that to just that ha- that in that? the Sanatokef it says uh-huh. that Hashem does not desire the death of a person. Okay. What his what his preference is that the person return from the path that he's on mm-hmm. and live. And until the day of his death, Hashem will wait for him. If he will return, then Hashem will immediately receive him. He, he has a lot of time. There's no rush from God's point of view. So as long as the person is potentially on the road toward return, God is there waiting.